My name's Joe Crummy, one of the elders uh, here at the Meeting Place Church, and we've been doing a series from the New Testament book of Acts. And last week, if you were with us, uh, we did a whole passage on giving, and we're talking about how basically when you become a Christian, uh, we have, in a sense, you become part of a new kingdom, and that we talk a lot about, we sang it in some of our songs this morning, that Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and that we have now new priorities, we give new heart, new identity, all these things, and that overflows into our lifestyle and what we have to do with our money. And so we just talked about really having a kingdom lifestyle, a kingdom mindset, and really some kingdom principles to giving and how really countercultural they are. And this week we're going to continue and we're going to talk about more about issues of the heart and about, uh, you know, we can do stuff at a duty and we can do stuff for all kinds of different motivations, but God knows our heart. And so that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. So we'll pick it up again in Acts chapter 4, um, just to put it in context. And this is half of what we read last week, and then we'll in, go continue on in chapter 5. It says, so again, these are uh, the early Christians meeting together. And uh, just to say, some of you were very observant last week, because we talked about giving to the local church first. And some of you, which uh, was great, uh, wondered about, because we talk about here, as we're going to read, they laid it at the apostles' feet, and so whether or not we should give a local church or give what we talk about apostolic today. And great question. And just to say, at the time, this was the only local church because we're still in Jerusalem. This is before persecution. And so th- there was only, in a sense, one church. So when they gave it to the apostles' feet, they were the leaders of the local church at the moment. So thanks for asking those good questions. Okay. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So that's kind of where we ended off last week. And then we're going to go into chapter 5. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear, no kidding, eh? And great fear came upon all who heard of it. And young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. 
and none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord in multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Whew! And a hush falls upon the crowd. That's a tough passage, eh? I mean, man, that's, uh, that's, that's a sobering um, passage, and we'll, we're going to try to deal with some of these things um, this morning. So it certainly gets our attention, and so we're just going to take a look at this passage, and we're going to look at heart issues. And again, we're still talking about the whole aspect of giving. That's kind of what we're centering in on, and heart issues. And the first one's just really, what or who fills our hearts? And the context being, as we've just seen in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, we, we've read the phrase many times about the followers of Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. And here Peter says to Ananias, how has Satan filled your heart? So there's sort of this comparison that you can either be filled with the Holy Spirit or your heart can be filled with other things, let alone Satan. And so we just need to talk about, just for a minute briefly, what do we mean by the word heart? We've just heard it many times in this section. And when we talk about heart, it's one of those words that's kind of hard to describe because in our English language, when we say heart, it means all kinds of different things, doesn't it? I mean, it can mean our physical heart, ba-bump, 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 with four chambers and all the different things that go with it. And then we can say all kinds of things. I mean, how many times, and I won't even, I'm tempted to, but I won't. I'll spare you. How many songs do we have with the word heart in it? And I'll come out with all the songs in the 80s that have the song, the word heart in it. But it's true. It's all there alone, let alone Andy Jones and his country music. How many songs have broken heart in it? I mean, it's just everywhere. So what do we mean by it? I've got this 80s song in my head now. Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done it. Oh, man. Oh, I'm telling you, it, it would be scary. But then you'll all be singing it. Well, at least anyone over 35 or so. Okay. So what do we mean? We mean... Our heart, we mean, for lack of a better term, the seat of our desires, our feelings, our affections, our passions, and biblically, it also gets into our whole intellect, meaning, and our understanding. So it's a big deal, okay? Because basically we're talking about not our physical heart, although you can say, you know, when our heart stops beating, the rest stops, so it's an important one. But our heart is really, what are the things that you know, sort of the immaterial things that come together to make us who we are. It is kind of hard to explain, isn't it? Because it's like there's a spiritual part to it, okay? And so, again, sometimes in North America, we're not very good with our Western worldview of being very scientific and very, you've got to prove it to me, that we're not good talking about things like soul, spirit, heart issues. But there it is. It's all these things wrapped up. What fills us? Or who fills us? That's the question. Who fills or what feeds our desires, our passions, our feelings, our affections, our intellect, what gives us meaning, purpose, all of those things. That's what we're talking about. So that affects every one of us. Okay? Really, what feeds us? Who feeds us? Okay? It's a good question to think about. And we realize, whether you know it or not, there's a battle going on for our hearts, every single one of us. And again, you've got to have a bit different eyes, especially if you're not a Christian here this morning, okay, you might not be used to kind of 
understanding and talking about spiritual things. And again, here in the West, we're not very good at it, okay? In the Eastern part of the world, okay, spiritual things are much more accepted and much more sort of before your eyes. Here, we're so scientific and factual that we think, well, you know, that's kind of all garbly goo. Folks, we live in a spiritual world. There's a physical world, flesh and blood. There's a spiritual world. And there's a battle going on for our hearts. There's a battle going on for our lives. There's a battle going on, whether you know it or not, and it explains most of what's going on in the world and throughout our history, that there's a battle. And one of the battles is this. It's God versus basically everything else. It's God versus everything he's created but has been distorted that gets set up against him. Because Satan can't create anything. He just robs, kills, and destroys. He distorts. So that everything that sets itself up against God is really something that was God's creation, but because of sin, okay, got distorted and then sets itself up against God. And one of them is this whole thing of money. And Jesus talked a lot about money. And let me just read one passage. This is from his famous sermon on the Mount. You might have heard some of the things because a lot of people quote different things from it. But this is what Jesus said in his teaching. He says, he, he talks about don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where your fees break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus sets it up that money, or mammon, depending upon your translation, okay, can be a master. And a master, we get into these issues. Who do we serve? Who do we trust? Who do we treasure? So there's big heart things here. What do we worship? And I know I talk to so many people, have for years, you know, most people don't think they worship anything, okay? When they think worshiping an idol, they think, well, I'm not setting up in my room, you know, a statue of Buddha that I'm bowing down to. That's what people have as a concept of an idol. Okay? But that's not, that's not what we're talking about, although in some countries it is. We're talking about this. An idol is anything that's a substitute for our real God, okay, the Lord God Almighty. And we get into issues like this. Where do we find our security? Where do we find our purpose? Where do we find our identity? That's, those are big questions. And where do we get those found? Okay, so just think about this for a minute, okay? As a Christian, we would say this. Where do we get our security? In Jesus, in the Word of God, okay? In the sovereignty of God, okay? All those things, we'd say that's where we get our security. We know God loves us. He proved it in Jesus, okay? We put our faith in Jesus. He lives within us by His Holy Spirit. I'm secure in Christ. And we were professing that this morning, weren't we? So Lauren was reading out Psalm 20. The Lord is my shepherd, you know? I shall not be in want... For anything else. And even though I might feel this way in circumstances and I got tornadoes coming towards me, I know that God is my refuge. I'm secure in Him. Where do we get purpose as Christians? What's our purpose in life? Not a trick question. Just shout out a few. To glorify God. Well, there, that's a great. Who said that one? Maureen. Well done, Maureen. That kind of answers everything. To glorify God. Our purpose is to glorify God. How do we glorify God? Whew, thousands of different ways. Every time we don't lie, but we choose truth, 
we're glorifying God. Every time we say no to temptation and we choose God, we're glorifying God. Every time we worship together like we are this morning, when we prefer other people, there's all kinds of ways we glorify God. That's our purpose. Okay? Where do we find our identity? In Christ. Right? In Jesus. Hallelujah. Because, boy, we're all in trouble if we don't. Because not many of us are the best athletes, the best body, the smartest people, the wealthiest people, everything the world gives standards to. Okay? We're in Christ. That God loves me. That's the most important thing. Now you take that. Okay, I'm just trying to provide an opposite way of looking. You think about money and our worldview here in North America. And where do people find security? Their bank account. Find security in my bank account, in my savings, in my retirement fund, in my house, in my possessions. I've got security. Okay? And what's just happened in the last couple of years? We find out how secure things are or not when the stock market crashes and all these things that you'd never, ever predict just even a couple of years ago happen. Security. Where do people get their purpose? Jobs. That's right. Not just jobs, but what type of jobs? Careers. Keep going. Climbing the ladder, there we go. Positions, that's right, promotions. It's not just to get a job. I want a good job, which leads me to a better job. And what do we usually define good and better by? By the paycheck, not by what you're doing. And where do we get our identity? TV, there's one. And what does, the, what does everything on TV tell you about your identity? By what you have, or what you don't have, or what you should have, or what you need. Or if you just get this, then you'll be happy. Okay. So folks, you know what? It's so, here in Canada, in America, it is so ingrained within us, it's really hard for us to see. So for those of you, and I've had the, privilege, you know, going to different countries around the world. And when you go to a different culture, you can see the strongholds. And you think, how in the world, you know, even within Christians, okay, I've been to Guatemala, I've been to all these different places, and it's so evident. Okay, you think, how in the world, you know, can these Christians still be, have these strongholds that they worship these things and instead of worshiping God? And you come back in your own culture and you can't even see it. And I've used the illustration before. It's like you're driving, right? And you go to pass a car, and you check your mirror, and you check your mirror, and you check over your shoulder, and the person beside you, you start to pull up, and they're going like, ah, don't do it. There's a car right there. And you're like, where, where, where? It was in my blind spot. I didn't even see it. I checked. I, I was even looking. And so many times we look at our lives, and we say, well, I'm trying to check my life. I'm like, am I obeying God? Am I doing all these things? And you're checking the mirrors, and you're checking all these things. And we've got blind spots. And one of the biggest blind spots in North America is this whole thing of money, finances, possessions, materialism. And somebody sitting beside us from a different culture can say, what are you doing? Just when we go to their culture, we can see it, what their blind spots are. 
It's a blind spot for most of us, myself included. We are brought up where in our education system, culture, advertising, TV, media, everything, where money really is our God, that we seek our security in our bank account, which then affects our purpose, because what's our purpose? To get a bigger bank account. (laughs) Which then, where do we get our identity and how big a bank account we have? Folks, that's really the God, I think one of the biggest gods in our culture. And what does it do? It leads to this. It leads to a stronghold in our lives. In a stronghold, there's lots of good definitions, okay? I like the simple one. A stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on your life. Anything that grips you. And most of the manifestations of it are this. We don't think, you know, I'm not worshiping money. You know, it's like, no. But when you look at our lives and we look at, if we're honest with ourselves, what do we fear a lot of the times? I fear I'm not going to get my next paycheck. I fear I'm not going to have enough money in the bank. I fear if something came up, I don't have any extra in reserve. And fear grips us. Even millionaires, billionaires have fear. Do I have enough? What happens if this happens? And you're always on edge. Okay? Fear. Control. Woo-wee! That's a biggie. Control. Power. If I got control of the purse strings, everything else will follow. And I'm going to give some examples here in a minute. Okay? Greed. Okay? Paul says this. Let me just read you another, uh, another one that's pretty powerful when it comes to this. First Timothy chapter 6. I'll just read it in its entirety. Paul says this, because it teaches right in to this. Paul says to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Okay? My favorite t-shirt. I shared it with the guys, you know, my favorite t-shirt quote, he who dies with the most toys still dies. That's my favorite uh, t-shirt one that goes with that. Okay? We brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... We will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Wow, you think this was written more recently. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I mean, that's just one little section and you think about as paul writes for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil you know what folks actually most of these things are evil okay greed is evil why do people lie at work because a lot of times it's money's the root of it isn't it okay so i'm going to push you down and i don't want you to get promoted so i'm going to tear you down so that i get promoted so i can get the bigger paycheck and we don't make the connections But folks, that's the root of all kinds of evil. We covet. It's full of corruption. I mean, holy cow, we see it all the time. How many times have we just seen it in the last several years? These guys, you know, millions, let alone billions of dollars in all these Ponzi schemes and everything. And we're just sitting there like, how in the world? I mean, these are supposed to be integrous people and all the checks and balances. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It leads to corruption 
The love of money leads to corruption. It leads to anxiety. Not only is there fear, anxiety. How many people are gripped? I mean, absolutely tormented and anxiety about money. I'm trying to, I'm trying to win an argument here with you. <laughs> and I'm hoping you understand, maybe not in your life, but I'm sure you see it around. How do these things get going? I mean, our culture, that's the culture we live in. It's in our education system. We live in a world where money really is God. It's an idol. How we base our security, our purpose, our identity, our affections, our passions, what what motivates us, okay, what stirs us. It's in our society, and we have to wake up to the reality. Okay? That's why there's a context for giving, as I said last week. That's why what we're doing in church life is so countercultural. It's crazy. It really is. I mean, if you listened to my message last week, it's crazy. Okay? It really is. It's absolutely crazy. We're saying you're going to give at least 10% of what comes in to the local church. And as I shared, you can listen to it. I think that's just the getting started. Okay? You think it's a joy and it's hilarious to give? crazy only from a kingdom perspective do you get that and as i said last week every time we give ryan was hilarious this morning he's like are we bringing the baskets down for gift day because we do this sometimes you know what we put our money in and we're just like we're punching the god of money right between the eyes when we do it eh like you're not going to have control over me and we give generously it's a heart issue because it breaks all of these things Okay, fear, control, greed, corruption, anxiety. Okay, so it's in our culture. Media, we've already kind of talked about that. It's in our education system, even if it's, you know, what do I mean by that? I mean, folks, when I grew up, everything I was taught in school was get your education so that you can get a good job, so that you can make good money, so that you can be happy, that you can retire, and you can have life easy. It was, and those of you who grew up, I did. Freedom 55 was the most popular commercial on TV. If you do all these things by 55 years of age, you're going to be free. That's our culture, folks. And that's coming at us all the time in our education system. How about family? Holy cow. This is going to be a touchy one. How we grow up and how people in our family were with money affects us. How many families have been destroyed because of money and bitterness? And jealousy. We see it all the time. Just talk to lawyers dealing with families and inheritances and estates. Oh, you want to see the claws come out? (laughs) Why? It has to do with money. Okay? And you have to, I'm serious, you have to take a look and say, how how did my family handle money? How does that affect me? Okay? And we we joke about it, you know. they're, they're such penny pinchers, you know, and everything. And some of it can be funny, but actually a lot of times it's harmful stuff. Okay? I'll just give you an example, and then we get into the demonic, okay? Now, I can say that because what does, what does Peter say here? And asks, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay? There's demonic stuff going on, and again, we don't have time to get into it, but basically, folks, if there's a God, okay, we believe there is a devil. Okay, and the Bible's full right from Genesis right through to Revelation. 
And folks, in our Western worldview, we don't think about Satan being real. We don't think about demons being real. And the Bible says most of the time, behind all of these things are the doctrine of demons. There's demonic powers at action. Okay? We've got to wake up and say, well, it's more than just our cultural things, which it is, more than just family things. A lot of times, there's demonic activity behind it because Satan wants to be worshipped. And most of us wouldn't say, oh, I'm a Satan worshiper. We wouldn't say that. But actually, things that he's under control get a stronghold in our life. And whether we know it or not, we're actually worshiping him and not God. That's why we need the truth of God's word. That's why we need Jesus to set us free. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to break through these strongholds. Can I just give you a couple of examples? Okay. This one, I, I even saw this when I was like 13 years old. Okay, this is a real life example. And hopefully the buddy I'm going to talk about isn't going to listen to this tape. Okay? When I was growing up, um, one of my best friends, and it's amazing how you pick up on things and you remember stuff, eh? Okay? Nice family, but I remember growing up all the way through in our small community, they were known for, um, really, that money was the almighty thing. Okay? You know how rep- people get reputations that money, nice people, but don't trust them because they're after money. And money was a stronghold. And we went to hockey school, my friend and I, we were roommates, 13 years old at a Christian hockey school. And that week, this guy got touched by God, 13 years old. Hey, we got touched by God. God, at 13, you know, really got a hold of our lives. And I'll never forget what happened. On Saturday, we're going home. And something happened, you know, it's just one of those weird things that he didn't get his money back from the tuck shop. I'm talking like $3, $4 back from the canteen at the end of the week. Okay? When his parents arrived, and they didn't get their money back for like $4. Okay? They threw a fit. And this guy, my friend, 13, okay, went absolutely berserk. And he cursed what happened that week and said, I'm never coming back. And the whole family went irate. And I'm 13 years old going like, what just happened? Looking back, I know exactly what happened. God was at work okay, in the stronghold of money. And I do believe there was a demonic thing that erupted or manifested in that. And it destroyed the work of God that happened all that week. So this guy, 13, heart open to God, really changed. In a moment, over $4.25. Okay? Demolished it. Now, folks, I just share that as an example of saying it's real life, real action. And if you've got eyes to see it, it's all around us. That's why I say we're spending a lot of time on point one today. We might, this might be all we get to. Yes, it is. Okay? And we'll pick it up next week. Or in two weeks' time, John's going to talk about prayer next week. We'll go back to that passage that we skipped over on prayer. We'll come back to this in two weeks' time. Trying to get your attention that when we give, it's a spiritual thing. Not just a physical thing. It's not like, oh, I just write the check and oh, what should we do today? Oh, well, we'll just throw it in. Okay? As I told you last week, it's a hard issue. And if we're given out of guilt or condemnation or whatever, I say again, we don't want your money. God doesn't need your money. Kevin's back there saying, Kevin's our head trustee and oversees the finances and that. It's like, I'll say it again. God doesn't need your money. 
Okay? If you think you can manipulate God by your money, poof. Okay? Let this be a warning to us. We'll get into two weeks' time about you know, how offensive it is that people died. Didn't, wouldn't God give them a chance? We'll get into that. Okay? I'm trying to put a stake in the ground to say this is very serious. And most churches in North America are screwed up because the devil's got in about finances and money controls everything. And we're bound and determined it ain't going to happen here. Okay? That money's not going to rule. and People aren't going to manipulate and say, oh, I'm not going to give money unless you do it my way. Okay? We'll be out on the street. I don't care. But we're not, we're not being controlled by money. We want to be generous. We want to be giving. We want to have good hearts. We want to have a fear of God in a healthy way that, again, we're kicking money in the teeth of saying we're going to give. You're not going to have control over me. Okay? So as we give today, so sorry, we're on point one, okay? Um, we'll have to get to point two and three, but our time's up, okay? Can I just review? This is serious stuff. And as you give, you break something spiritually, okay? You break the power of Satan uh, on control and anxiety and all of that. It shows that we trust God. God, I'm going to trust you. And listen to last week so you get some principles. Again, I don't want you to go in debt and all of those things. There's good, healthy guidelines from God's word. But today we're talking about the heart. Okay? If you have nothing to give, be free. God knows. Okay? So again, it's not even so much what you, how much you put in. It's your heart. Say, God, you know what? This is all I have today. You know, my heart's to give more. And if you give me more, I'll give more. Hallelujah. That's great. Okay? Because all of these things, not only I'm talking about rich people, fear, control, greed, corruption, anxiety, okay? Even if we're poor, those can have a stronghold on our life, okay? So it goes, I'm not just talking upper, upper middle class rich people, okay? Many poor people have a stronghold of money based on what they don't have, not on what they do, okay? It's a hard issue, okay? We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One aspect of being filled with the Holy Spirit is we give with our finances because it's not our God anymore. It's a tool of God to bless others. We don't want to fill our heart with Satan. We don't want to fill our heart with idols that we find our security, our purpose, our identity, and anything but God. And we get to break the stronghold okay, that money Satan might have on our lives by saying, I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior first of all, and I'm going to prove it by I'm going to be generous with what I have, with my money, my possessions, hospitality, my gifts, whatever it might be. I say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be generous. And as I said, just start somewhere. Okay? If you've never given before, give something. Okay? If you're giving this much, go a little bit more. Okay? Trust God. Test and see. He said we can test them on this one. We can give all the ties in those storehouses. We can give offerings above and beyond every day.